Welcome to another episode of the Liboogie Podcast. Just pumping a few out now. Uh, gonna take a breather from podcasting for a month or so in about two weeks. So I'm gonna get as many out as possible. Here's a quick chat I had with Tanner McDaniel after his second place at the Eureka competition, and I hope you enjoy it. It's a quick one, so enjoy. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to leave Eureka though. Yeah. Ready How about you? Yeah. I'm ready to get get on with it. Another Little Boogie podcast. This one, a revisit with Tanner McDaniel. We recorded our first one here, didn't we? Yeah, I did that last year. Uh, yeah. Just before the final day, I think. Exactly. And I like to think that sometimes there seems to be a trend where if I interview someone and we're at a comp, they usually win the comp. Because huh. I interviewed Tristan just before his one in, in Brazil. So maybe we should have got this done earlier. Yeah. Might have sure. been a different result. Yeah, I might have, might have swung my way a little more. How do you feel about the whole competition? Uh, yeah, it was good. I mean, the level was pretty much as good as it gets. Um, that's kind of always the standard here, though. Mm. The um, guys just really push it out here. Um, I don't know. It kind of felt like it was an uphill battle for me, the yeah. whole comp. I didn't have a great two sessions rounds, and I didn't really feel like I gained momentum until the final day, which okay. I guess was nice. I finally did, but up until that point, I kind of felt like I was behind the curveball a little bit or behind the eight ball. Because where did you finish in the sessions? Um, like did you have 17? to do a repertage, didn't you? Yeah. yeah, you had to do that. I, that. Was, I almost didn't make it. Yeah, exactly. Was it was like pretty 17. close, eh? Hey? Yeah, I had like two fours. And what three. was that all about in your heat? So how, <clears> why do you think you couldn't, like, what, were you not finding the waves or what was it? I don't know. I, I would be going on waves that I thought were good waves and I would like surf them as best I could and I'd be like, okay, that'll be a decent score. Mm. And then I'd get a three mm. or I'd get a four. Mm. And that was a little, kind of threw my mental game off a little bit because I was mm. like, like, shit, I'm, I feel like I'm surfing all right and mm. I'm just getting threes and fours. Yeah, it's interesting. So that was kind of what... I think that kind of um, messed with my head a little bit in those rounds, and then the next round, luckily, I kind of had a bit of a better heat. Yeah. Kind of uh, refreshed myself. Our heat was then a write-off, pretty much, just like a freaking. You got one chance to beat Tanner McDaniel, and your best chance is when he's only going to score an eight total for his heat. That's the chance you've got to take. But I scored a three. But that's all right. But yeah, that was a shocking heat. That's one of the worst heats of my life, I think. It, for both competitors. It would be up there with one of the worst heats I've surfed in a world tour. <laughs> but the conditions in Brazil this year were yeah, a lot worse. My first heat, <laughs> the first day that they ran was crazy. So hectic. I did a I did two rolls and I made my heat. Yeah. I was tripping. It's it is it's been an interesting competition period this South American leg. I mean, you haven't been here for the whole lot of it. So what was that all about? You came to Brazil you bailed, you came back to this. So what was that all about? Why did you make that decision? Yeah, well, it was kind of a few factors. Um, I kind of realized for myself, the events that I do the best and are the ones that I really want to be there. Mm. I really wanted to be in Brazil. I really wanted to be here in Eureka. Mm. The other two events I wasn't as excited about. Um, also, I just moved to California. Mm -hmm. um, I had to go actually there to move in my apartment, get that all set up, 
which was kind of unfortunate timing for the mm. other two legs. Yeah. Or other two events of this leg. But I mean, I gotta, at some point I have to do that. And mm. it just kind of had to happen. But do you think if that, we're, and we're gonna come back to this shift to California later on, but like, do you feel like it, had you not had the California um, kind of thing to do, would you have still done the whole South American leg or would you have still taken a breather in between events based on this idea that you just perform better at the ones you want to be at? Um, yeah, I think I would have done. I would have done the other two events. Oh, you would have stuck around. Yeah. I okay. Think so. Yeah. It, yeah. I just had the stuff that I had to do for my own my own personal life and my own happiness mm. that I had to just put first mm. for right now. With this, um, you know, these decisions, you know, there's always costs and things like that. Like it, it definitely. You know, your performances have been solid though. You got a second and a third. So you're kind of back in the title race, whether you want to maybe admit that yet or not. But, you know, it depends how you're, you, we've had a conversation outside of this podcast. But what is your plan with the rest of the tour? We've got Kayama coming up at the end of August, and then we've got Sintra, and then the final event in Fronton. What's your prioritization in the next few months regarding the tour? I'm going to, I'm 100% going to go to Kayama. Mm -hmm. um, kind of I was not planning on doing Sintra mm. however if I do really well in Kayama like make the final yeah I might consider going to Sintra yeah but even then it's still kind of a stretch for me okay because it's it is a lot and back to the whole moving to California thing my sister's living with me yeah my younger sister she we're living in a, an apartment by ourselves yeah I don't know if it would be I don't know I don't know if I can really take a month off right now to go do that while she's in California by herself. She's not sure. even 18. Oh, right. Okay. That's pretty heavy. I don't know if it, like, I am kind of feel like I might be a little bit of a chaperone right now. Yeah, right. It'll just be the... Is it official or unofficial? What, what Your chaperone status? Mm, well, I mean, the, <laughs> the lease is in my name in the apartment. Yeah. And she's living there. So. Okay. Kind of feel like I have some responsibility there. Yeah, right. So... It's interesting, a lot of the guys I talk to in the podcast stuff, you know, there's always this discussion about opportunities and costs and, you know, like we, a lot of guys, I just had an interview with Hub, which hasn't been published yet, but by the time people hear this, maybe it will be. But, you know, we talk, he talked a lot about like, in order for him to win his first world titles, there was a lot of costs. Like he had to sacrifice a lot. Um, the tour was a lot bigger then. Yeah, but, um, it was different. But, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was much different. But there is this idea that like, he was convinced you can't really have everything perfect if you're gonna really go for a world title. Like, do you feel the same? Like, do you feel like- 100%. Yeah, so there is no way to balance. It's really hard to, yeah. yeah. And I think that's kind of where I've had to shift the last year, mm. is I've had to find some more balance in my in my life, mm. my personal life and just everything. Yeah. Because for the first few years I did the tour, it was like, just flat out. That was all I was doing, nothing yeah. else. I'd go home for two weeks and I'd be off again yeah and it was just crazy which years were these because i'm i don't know exactly i was talking to someone about it i was like yeah tanner seems to be not putting as much time into this you know like and and they're like yeah but give him a break he's been doing it for 10 years like uh, but how long have you been really doing it for it hasn't been 10 years i would have been 10 years old then. exactly I know. <laughs> um well my first event was when i was 12 yeah and i obviously didn't start doing it full-time then mm. um i'd say when i was 15 15 when though. I started like I did the whole South America leg I did uh, Port Portugal yeah um, yeah 
So, okay. Yeah. That so was it's five a, years of tour now. This was this is my this will be my sixth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty full on. And like, obviously, it's been amazing. Like, I wouldn't mm. change anything, but I think I do need to have a little bit of a shift now mm. for like just my own like kind of stability. Mm. Just I feel a lot like just happier. Like, just, I, I don't know. I just feel better, mm-hmm. and I think that has kind of reflected into my my surfing and my competition. Yeah. Like, yeah. My Did results have significantly improved in the last year, and I feel like that's kind of around the time that my your shift has happened. Yeah. Had was the Nazare, you know, moment uh, a setback in a big way for you? And I, a lot of people are probably wondering how that affected you. You know, what you nineteen. I was 19 at the time, I'm yeah, 20 now. 20 now, but you're 19, you know, you had a, you know, literally one heat away from a world championship. Yeah, like 10 minutes away 10 from, minutes away from one. Yeah. Like, I mean, how does that feel? I don't want to like bring up a crazy oh. memory for you, but you know, there are these, there are, there, someone always has to kind of miss out yeah. to, for when someone else wins a world title. Seems like it's always me. <laughs> yeah, you've got a history with this, huh? Yeah, I'm real good at getting second. Yeah. How does like how did you bounce back from that? Because clearly you have. You got a third in Brazil. You got a second here. You're still on fire. Like how yeah. have you managed to bounce back from that loss? Um, I don't know. The whole like the whole world title race last year. Like I kind of just like got thrown into it like mm. straight away from Marika. Like I was not expecting that. Yeah. I like you're always hopeful, but like. Yeah, that's not necessarily how well I was expecting to do. Yeah, just based on how I'd done it in the pre- like in the past, I'd never had that kind of results. Yeah, and yeah, I was just kind of like, kind of a whirlwind. Yeah, I didn't really ever have high expectations. I obviously hoped for the best, but mm. I didn't have my. I wasn't like completely devastated. Obviously, like getting that close and then mm. having it kind of ripped out from under you at the last. Mm minutes was pretty hard but at the same time i it wasn't earth shattering nah no not yeah i don't know it kind of put me into a weird like mind state like state of mind like i went went back to the states and just kind of cruised i didn't really spend too much time on oahu this year mm-hmm. um there weren't like there were good pipe days but i didn't really get that many i served mm. pipe like decent like three times this year yeah this last season and i don't know it's just been a weird like few months since nazare for me like, i'm just kind of been in limbo a little bit and i'm trying to get back on track with like the stability thing that i was kind of touching on earlier like, mm. i needed to like find a place for myself to live that kind of stuff i just mm. needed need something like that i think right now like a home base exactly exactly and let's let's transition to that like what you've i mean this home base it's not just like getting a home it's actually like almost like moving countries in many ways you know like you, you're kind of leaving home in Kauai yeah and going to the mainland um, which is a yeah weird that must be like a big shift i mean it is i've sp- spent a lot of time in california I've, yeah like i was born there i've gone and visited family there I've, yeah. the last few years i've made some really good friends out in Southern California where I'm living now. Mm. So I spent a lot of time there. So it, for a long time, it did feel like a second home. Yeah. And it's kind of just slowly over the years transitioned to being where I want to be more so than Hawaii right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it just, it just had to happen for my own sake. Yeah. What's that all about though? Like how, why did it, um, 
how, why has it grabbed you like this? You know, like what, what, what's that all about? What is it that it's offering that you can't get elsewhere? Just the people that I've met there. Uh-huh. Um, I met some really amazing, some of my best friends live there and they just kind of are in a different state of mind than some of the people that I was surrounded by in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. They have different priorities and kind of just more of a positive vibe to be around. Okay. For, for myself, at least. Okay. Most people associate positive, good vibes with Hawaii, though. Yeah. And not when the they mainland. To, yeah. It's living there and visiting there. Yeah. Different. Okay. Especially a small, small town. Like, Oahu's different from where I live. Mm. It's a lot more, lot more going on. Mm. There's nothing going on where I am. Has it been hard for you to live there? Like, I mean, you mentioned that you were... You were born on the mainland in California, and you're from northern or central? Santa Cruz. Yeah, okay, Santa Cruz. So pretty northern. Northern. I mean, has it been hard uh, to be someone from the mainland growing up in Kauai? Oh, well, I never experienced, like, anything super crazy, mm. like the whole Howley thing. Mm. Um, you just feel a little out of place. Yeah. But it's kind of all I knew. I didn't, don't remember, like growing up in California. I was mm. three when we moved, so Hawaii's yeah. kind of just been my home, so it's nothing. I didn't really know anything else. It wasn't too hard for me, no. No? Not really. I mean, yeah, I couldn't imagine anything else, so. And with California, you know, you've, you've talked about being around some positive vibes and some different people. Maybe, can you maybe dive into that a little bit? Like, what is it about the, this, this kind of crew you're with? And maybe I'm referring a little bit to the sack chat guys because that yeah. seems to be something that's happening well, yeah, for you. Like, like, so I, what is it exactly about California for you now that, that's so appealing and that's seen you move there? It's just, yeah, it's been like those guys pretty much. Okay. Just, I've met some really... Those guys are some of my best friends. Yeah. Alex Perez is here yeah. with me in Chile. Um, my girlfriend lives there. Yeah. I've just met a lot of like really, really cool people that have just kept me coming back. Yeah. And it's, that's been the main shift for me because where I'm at in Hawaii right now, I mean, I really feel like I only have my family there. Yeah. Just kind of, I've had to distance myself from a lot of people. Yeah. Just because of what they're doing, I don't want to necessarily be a part of it. Yeah. And yeah, so that was kind of a hard, I felt like I just needed to get a, get away. Mm. And like, I still feel very connected to Hawaii. Like I, that's where I grew up. Yeah. That's where my family is. It's just not where I need to be right now. Who's the crew that you're hanging out with though? Who are some of these people like, you know, maybe dive into a bit more about, you know, the, 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 the people you're hanging out with specifically and like give them a shout out yeah, or whatever. Well, like the, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. We're doing those um, little video clips called Sack Chat Chronicles. Yeah. Just those boys mostly, like Tristan Ray, Craig Weider, Alex Perez. He's here. Yeah. Just those guys and like some, just like their whole like connected friends and stuff. It's just been real, it's been a lot um, more positive for myself. Mm. And like, yeah, it's just been really just a lot of fun mm. and always like, yeah, good times. You're doing a lot of video content and things like that. Like, yeah. and, and where are you actually, because I don't know a lot about California myself. Like, I've been there a couple of times, but I haven't really explored it. But, you know, which part of Cali are you hanging out in? Is it Newport, Orange County, or, because uh, there's a lot of cool waves. It looks like you're kind of yeah. scoring too. So maybe you don't have to name spots, but like, yeah. where are you hanging out? And, and what's so good about that place? Yeah, it's in um, South Orange County. Yeah. Kinda, 
well, I live in Laguna Niguel. Okay. It's um, kind of like 10 minutes from like Laguna Beach. Yeah, okay. Point, 15 minutes from there. All right. Um, that kind of area, it's like 30, 40 minutes from Newport where Wedge is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's just a lot of fun, just pretty fun waves. Like, obviously the waves aren't the same as they are in Hawaii, no. but I mean, you still get fun waves. Everyone just kind of writes California off as shit. Mm. And that's kind of not the case. You got to know where to look. You got to be patient, but you can get really fun waves. What about crowds? I mean, there's a lot more, it's a lot more populous, you know, like if there's a lot more people in the water, it might seem, is it, is it easy or hard to find waves away from the crowd? Yeah, it is. It's hard. Um, just kind of the mainstream spots like Wedge obviously is pretty crowded. Yeah. Um, that's like the biggest struggle out there is the crowd. Um, but I think that's partially due to black ball. Yeah. You have four hours to surf and then you're done for the day. Maybe explain black ball to people quickly who may not have any concept of it. Like what yeah, exactly <laughs> is this black ball? It's a pretty weird, weird thing they do. So <clears throat> during a period in the summer, pretty much from the start of the season to the end of the season. Right they um, have a black ball which is a flag goes up on the lifeguard stand mm. and nobody can be in the water with a board of any sort right after 10 a.m until 5 p.m so you can surf after black ball but it's yeah. crazy and yeah it's i mean i don't know of anywhere else in the world like that so yeah, I haven't heard of anyway. In the morning, it's just everyone's trying to get, everyone's out there trying to get waves before ten because you yeah. can't surf after that. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's it's crazy. Just so the body surfers can have it for the rest of the day after ten, it's all theirs. That's a whole day though. Ten till when? Ten till five. Ten till five. Yeah, that's crazy. And is it packed with body surfers in during those times? Honestly, or is it... I've never really. You probably haven't hung around, have nah. you? <laughs> no, I haven't hung around. That's crazy. We usually just surf until we, yeah, until we can and then we bail. And how, how um, strict are they in enforcing blackball? Like, are you literally like 10 a.m. happens and people are getting fined or what's the situation? Not quite like that. It honestly also depends on the waves. Uh-huh. <laughs> if it's small, they might give you an extra hour. Or oh, really? Yeah. Like, you're not... If it's small? Yeah, like, unless it's, yeah, if it's not that good, they yeah. maybe don't show up right on time or whatever. Okay. Or if there's no body surfers there, then it's not as big of a deal. Yeah. That's at least what I found. Do you know why who, who initiated Black Ball originally? Do you know the history of it? Like, how long has it been like that? It's been like that for a while. I can't remember the exact story. There's actually a documentary of, about, like, oh, really? body surfing at the Wedge. It's yeah. pretty cool. I forget the name of it. Um, it's really cool, like, kind of history of Wedge. Mm. And what they actually did was, because it was getting so crowded with surfers and bodyboarders, yeah. Wedge was originally a body surfing wave. Yeah. And the body surfers were like, hey, we don't like this. So they like either petitioned or they did something with the Newport City Council to actually get that put into place. So they went like straight to the law. They like have some, have some serious, like, they went through some serious steps to get that put in. And it's just been like that ever since. That's crazy. Yeah. Just because they wanted it yeah. to themselves. That's I mean, it's crazy. cool. It's a, originally a body surfing wave, so yeah. respect. Yeah. yeah. Pretty nuts. Yeah. When I tell people that, they're like, yeah. what? You, like, excuse me? With, um, with the rest of California, like, I mean, Wedge is only one wave, really, and it's a crowded one. But, I mean, how, how, how many kind of quality waves would you say are in your radius from where you're living now that you would say, you know, I'm going to be able to 
practice, get clips, do some good stuff. Like, yeah. how many ways are we talking? I mean, more than a dozen. Within, more than a dozen? Within an hour from me. Sick. Yeah. Like, obviously they're not pipeline, but... Nah. <laughs> they get fun, and it, you just got to know when to look, and where, and everything. Like, all it's all very, like, dependent on the sand and all mm. that kind of stuff. But a lot of the ways get really fun pretty often. Mm. That's cool. And what about the, the bodyboard scene in, in California now? Like, I mean, you've been hanging a lot out there and you've, you've got a bit of a crew forming. I mean, is it, is it growing in your opinion? Like, do you feel like there's a bit of momentum there? That's really hard to say. Mm. Um, I don't really have a reference point from kind of how it's been. It yeah. feels like it's kind of in the same shape it always has been down there. Maybe it's, I don't know, it's hard to say. I'm going to be spending obviously a lot more time down there hmm. like so I'll probably get a better Maybe I'll have a better answer later yeah I hope so That'd yeah it seems funny like you and I had this chat outside of the podcast and like just talking about how California is such a big like it's such an important place for surfing and, yeah. and bodyboarding seems to have forgotten about it in many ways like internationally like we kind of we never seem to be like guys don't travel to California to no. shoot clips out you know you're one of the rare f- probably one of the only people on the tour that's really put a decent amount of time in there um i know that ian traveled there last year i think for a little bit and yeah. pierre made a little appearance as well yeah he came in surf wedge last year exactly like yeah early season and that like i mean did did those guys turning up did that really make any buzz around bodyboarding for a few of the yeah it got it got people really excited yeah around cool. there especially cool like i know pierre did some promos around there mm. i think ian might have done some at 662 too yeah and I mean, yeah, it gets people excited when sure. those guys show up, especially when they, like when Pierre came to surf wedge, it was so cool. Everyone was so stoked because mm. like it's such a good wave and seeing what like the potential is for like international riders is really mm. cool. And it kind of lets people there know like, hey, this like is a legit wave. It's not mm. just a closeout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, with the, like this year seems like it's, it's like a, a bit of a, bit of a rebalancing or a recalibration for you with how you are engaging with the sport as a professional. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it seems like you will chase a title if things go well for you in Kayama. Um, but even then you're still kind of umming and ahhing a little bit about it. I mean, how do you view competition for you in the next few years? You know, like, do you, are you a person that has goals? Like, have you ever been that person to have goals and really push for them? Or do you feel like you're more transitioning towards a a free surfing life, maybe a bit more? I honestly, uh, right now on my, at this point, I do not know. Mm. (laughs) Which is kind of, yeah, I I just don't know really what's going to become of the tour. Yeah. It's kind of seems like it's up in the air a little bit um just don't know kind of what the state it's going to be in next year um i could see myself shifting into free surfing a little bit i do still feel that competitive drive like i still do want to win a world title i still mm. every time i put on a rash guard i still want to like kick everyone's head in in my heat but oh uh, yeah i don't know it's just i don't know What's going through your mind in a heat? Like what, like, you, you know, that whole language of kicking everyone's head in in a heat. I mean, it's strong language. Like, are you in your own head? You know, I asked Tamika this 
when I had an interview with him and he's, you know, he's basically just yelling and screaming in his own head and, and that's why he ends up doing such crazy stuff. Like, like take for example, that first wave of yours in the final, you know, you basically just went straight for the jugular, like from the very first moment. Yeah. Um, what's going through your mind to, with that decision making? Like you if know, you can try and remember it. It's weird. The last year, like competing, I've felt this like really strange, like sense of like calmness and like weird like clarity it's really weird i've never like been so like just calm and relaxed during most of my heats like last year here is kind of where it started where i just kind of was like okay it's gonna work out which is a really weird Mm. thing for me because usually i'm like in heats before i was always just like trying to be like I was always very like active in my head, but now it just feels really like calm and relaxed mm-hmm. and yeah, just kind of letting things happen. So then there's no real aggressive nature in you in the heat, you know, you're basically just the wave comes and you perform according to what the wave offers. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily like say there's no aggressiveness. I just feel like I've shifted into a different kind of mind frame. I don't know. I don't know what triggered it. I don't know kind of what it is, but it's been nice. <laughs> and I think it's played a big part in my results the last year. Mm. I mean, it kind of could not be correlation. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's still pretty interesting though. Like it's, do you feel like, you know, and I'm speaking about this reverse, you got a nine five for it within minutes of the heat starting. Like, are you saying that that was literally just calm yeah i felt pretty wave real. comes take off it's kinda, oh there's a ramp yeah kind Hit of it. to be honest yeah like yeah i knew pierre just got a wave before so i was like okay well probably got a good score yet and i just was like i need to get something good and that wave came and yeah just did what i what i had to do any thoughts at all on the landing i mean i you know i quite famously managed to drag my back along the whole reef there pretty much in the same spot where you landed. Like, I didn't think about it at all when I did it, but like, is there any thinking like that when you're in that moment or is it just purely just make the move and get the hell out of there? Just make the move, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, that that end ball, like, it's so enticing for me because it's so sick. Mm. And especially in competition, I kind of just forget about the, the risks of what's underneath. Mm. Which is, I guess, good. Yeah, until it's not. Yeah, it's worked out. It's worked out so far for me. <laughs> Forgetting about the reef on that little end part there is yeah, probably the best thing to happen to me out there. Yeah, exactly. It opens up a whole new world of that end ball. You certainly wouldn't do the things you've already done on there if you were thinking about it. That's mm. yeah. <laughs> Just forget about it. Just get into the moment. Um. With the, there's been a lot of talk lately about your kind of, and I think Pierre might have said it best, that you, he, he's putting you as one of the most technically kind of brilliant riders at the moment, you know, with doing these big moves and doing them to a high technical standard. It's nice of him. It's really nice of him. <laughs> I mean, has this been something you've been focused on, you know, like have you prioritised in the last year or so this kind of extremely technical riding because you know like it's beginning to remind me a lot of um of kind of the evolution that 
maybe Hardy always seemed to be perfect from the start, but Mitch has Mitch definitely went through like this evolution of style over his kind of journey, and he was very like focused on evolving. I mean, have you had a focus on this, or is it just kind of how has it worked? No, I ne- I don't think that I've necessarily put too much thought into that. I don't really have a specific place I want to go with my writing. Mm-hmm. Kind of just seeing. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just feeling the progression. Okay. Working on what I feel needs to be worked on, and yeah, just getting to a point where I feel confident in my surfing. Mm. Where are your weaknesses in your own surfing, in your own opinion? Hmm. Sintra, a wave like that. Okay, so surfing the wave wa- itself. Surfing a wave like that would be. The grovel. Real like, soft and wonky, reformy mm. beach break, would be, where I would struggle the most in like a, heat, or just surfing in general. Hmm. Do you avoid those waves? To some extent, yeah. Mm. I did for a long time. Like I just didn't want to surf them because I kind of felt embarrassed. Yeah. Didn't want to like. Didn't quite want to accept it, but I kind of had to. That's What's the embarrassment about? Just feel like I can do a lot better in different conditions, and then I see how I'm surfing in those waves, and I'm like, damn, mm. <laughs> not where I want to be. But I feel like I've made a lot of progress there. Okay. How? Um, what about maneuvers, though? Are you? Are there any specific maneuvers that you're? Because I mean, it looks like your reverses, at least going left, have been pretty well refined now. I mean, it was interesting to watch you and Pierre in that final because you both stuck to your strengths. Yeah. Essentially, you know, well, like I think we also had different wave choice. Yeah. We have different wave selection in that kind of crisis moment. Like I was kind of going for the hail mary closeout ramp, and yeah. he was going out the bowl with the forwards. Exactly. Yeah. True. Um, I think it just came down to the waves we were on. Because if I was on the waves he was on, I would have been going for flips probably. Yeah. Which you did. You did crack one. Yeah. And I'm sure if he was on the wa- same waves as me, he would have done the same thing. Hmm. Or at least tried. <laughs> <laughs> what about, so what, but in terms of maneuvers, like how do you see your riding like on, you know, on a wave like a Rika or on a wa- in a wave like Pipeline, you know, something, or even rights and lefts, like, I mean, where are your weaknesses? Where do you identify them? Um, I would say that a wedgie left, it'd be my strongest. Evidently. Suit. Yeah. A wedgie left hand. You already know that. That would be where I would feel the most confident in my own surfing. Yeah. Um, like I said, a real fat, dribbly right-hander would be mm. a more difficult for me to surf. Yeah. So. What about moves, though? Um, I feel like right now the move that I would be like, if I did one... How do I phrase this? If I were to do this move well, I would be the most stoked. It would be an air forward. Okay. Like, I would be like, oh, yeah, that was nice. Like, I'd be happy that I was able to do it like, okay. well. And what does that look like? I mean, there's been some film of you here popping a nice one out yeah. of the bowl. Yeah, practicing them. Yeah. Because yeah. that's where I feel like I would feel less confident doing that in, like, a heat or something. Yeah. Just because I haven't, yeah, I haven't really practiced them that much. Okay. What about different directions? Are you equally comfortable going left and right, or or is left really your strongest? I do, like, yeah, I'd say left is stronger for me. I mm. grew up surfing a left-hander, so I just felt more confident for a long time, but I'm finally getting to the point now where I feel a lot more confident on right-handers. Okay. 
it was something I struggled with for a long time. Mm. But I'm, I had to work on it, and I feel better now about it. Does California offer many right-handers, or is it like mostly a land of lefts where you are? No, you can you can find the rights if you if you just hunting them. A lot of the waves are just like peaky beach breaks, so mm. there's always right-handers if there's a peak. Yeah, true. True that. True that. Or going right into the wedge at or right into the cider at wedge. Yeah, you can do that too. At, at your peril. Yeah, it's not as bad as it seems. God, I see a bad wipeouts there on yeah, Instagram. I have two. <laughs> I've had a couple. All right. Well, I mean, you're about to get the hell out of Eureka. You mm -hmm. fly out tomorrow, don't you? Tomorrow night, yeah. Okay, so you're out tomorrow night. I mean, overall, I mean, this place has been pretty good to you. Yeah. Where does this place rate for you in terms of, you know, destinations for bodyboarding and, you know, competition locations and whatnot? Like, what is it your favorite? Is it is it not? You know, what, where does it rate? That's hard to say because the wave is pretty much as good as it gets for mm. like a destination. It's one of the most consistent places for swell. Yeah. Like if you're just coming to surf, it's pretty good. Mm. The only thing is you can't surf past, what, 12? Yeah. We can already feel the breeze kicking up here now on yeah. the rooftop of I mean, Casa Beltran. Yeah, when we walked up here, it was windy already. Yeah. But, I mean, you can surf sick waves until then. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would, yeah, I would definitely recommend it if that's what you're into. Mm. Like big big heavy cold water slabs what about the what about the competition location though like you know is this is this your favorite place to compete i think before i won last year this would this was an event that i wanted to win probably more than anywhere else yeah just because the whole like atmosphere like on the final day always was like i always like would be watching whoever won like i want I want to do that. Mm. I want to. I want that to be me. Mm. And this place probably more than a lot of other ones. I'd say the only other place that would maybe rival would be Pipe. Mm. Like Pipe when it was like the t to win any comp would have been the 2012 comp at Pipe. Yeah, right. That was sick. This is when you were what? 13? 12. 12. <laughs> <laughs> Who won it that year? Jeff. Jeff won it. Like. The, in pumping waves yeah, it was right. so good crazy yeah and the crowd on the beach was sick it was like just such a sick it was so cool yeah that's the, like other than here and maybe fronton those would be my three like that's where i would want to win you're definitely turning up to fronton though aren't you absolutely yeah yeah i have every intention to yeah don't have tickets yet but they can be arranged yeah we'll be soon all right, cool. Well, I mean, I think this is a good a good catch-up. It's not the usual length of time for the podcast, but I feel like we've kind of covered a lot of things. Was there anything yeah. else you wanted to talk about? Like, what, have I missed anything? Um, not not really. I feel mm. like that kind of covers what I've been up to the most, yeah. for the most part. It's a good check-in. I mean, for the listener or the viewer, maybe if there's something that we haven't covered in this podcast episode and you're like, damn, guys, you know, you've got to talk to Tanner about x y and z yeah send a dm or a comment um but thanks tanner thanks for um not comboing me in that heat that's nice um it was tough it was tough it was tough but that's cool um and yeah good good luck with whatever happens in kayama i'd like to see you in sintra and see you having a having a go at it because yeah. i think it's um i think it's you know, within reach. It's yeah. just a matter of a few different pieces falling in place. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, you'll do whatever. Yeah. All right. 
That's us. Another podcast. So as we all now know, Tanner McDaniel did indeed rock up to Australia. He did pretty well. Got a 10 there. But uh, didn't really get in the world title race this year, opting out of the Sintra Pro. uh, And now he is, in fact, here in front on ready to do some damage. Maybe he'll be a spoiler instead. That was a quick little podcast for you all. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to be pushing quite a few podcasts out in a while because I'm going to take a little breather after Fronton. And so, yeah, expect a few more dropping in the coming week uh, to two weeks. Hope you enjoy the impending binge of the Liberty podcast. Thanks again for all the support. The bookie, the bookie, the bookie, the bookie.